Switching mediation providers might seem like a pain in the ass, but it doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of making the transition from Mopub to IronSource, we've got you covered. First, we've created a dedicated tool that removes the manual work when migrating to IronSource mediation. Second, we'll be holding workshops with IronSource experts where you can have all your migration needs taken care of. And if you want to do it yourself, we also have technical documentation for migrating to IronSource mediation in our Knowledge Center. To learn more about these initiatives and begin monetizing with IronSource today, head to www.is.com forward slash migrate. That's www.is.com forward slash migrate. This podcast is brought to you by Google for Games. It takes more than a collection of tools to help you bring your gaming vision to life. With cross-platform solutions that give you access to billions of potential players around the world, Google is your partner to create great games, connect with players, and scale your business. Visit g.co slash Google for Games or go to the link in the podcast description below. And if you ask me, Google for Games is the destination to learn more about game solutions and latest research and insights from Google's gaming teams to help you achieve your goals. If you're not driving or working out while listening to this podcast, I really suggest you fire up that browser and check out Google for Games. Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite, powered by a reliable deep linking engine, lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to AppSlyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. Welcome, 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 everybody, to This Week in Games, episode 174. Daddy's back. Eric Kress is back full force. Uh, Eric Kress, we've missed you. The whole audience has missed you. How are you doing? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm doing okay. It was good to take a week off, but uh, you guys just let Ethan slide last week, dude. I was like... I was annoyed listening to it. Just, I just, I, I, I did it just because I knew you were going to be at home angry. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll get to it in a bit, but I, I, I'm, I have to speak up for the audience when I say Ethan's got to keep its mouth shut. Oh, man. I do have to say, I do have to say, Ethan has an audience because I was connected uh, by uh, a certain public company CEO over the weekend. Uh, wanting to come to a podcast, I was like, "Yeah, sure, I can host." He's like, "Not you, bro, Ethan." All <laughs> I was right. like, no "All way. right, <laughs> no way. okay, I'm making an introduction, so I'm sorry." <laughs> so, so he has an audience. <laughs> look, look, okay, I, I'll, I'll say it now, right? Fundamentally, look, I don't mind. Ethan's job is to cover these stories, right? Which is fine. Like, let him cover the stories. It's relevant. To most people, and if you don't like it, fucking tune out, right? But the fucking thing that he does that you gotta stop and you gotta call out is he brings up this bullshit crypto stuff during other stories, which are completely irrelevant and and, and annoying, and that's what annoys the, the audience itself. And so, in retroactively, shut the fuck up, Ethan. Stop talking about that shit during other stories. Cover your shit and shut the fuck oh, up, man. right? And oh, add value wow. that is not crypto. So aggressive. That's, that's all I got so to say. So aggressive. I wish Ethan was here to defend himself. I, it, it, a little bit unfair. Ethan, we, we love you, buddy. It's, yeah, we do. <laughs> so don't take we it already miss it's you. Just, don't take it personally, buddy. No. But let, lay off the crypto stuff. I mean, it, <laughs> it's, let's, let's, when we're talking about, like, you know, sort of like baseline mobile gaming. Don't don't bring up the crypto stuff. Wow. Exactly. Wow. Ethan is back it's on the next episode because you guys are wailing on him. Uh, so uh, well, hold on. Let me just let me just make a point. Yeah, go so, ahead. Go ahead. South by Southwest happening right now. Um, I'm a little tired. 
uh, hungover last night. <laughs> I South by Southwest. They should rename it Crypto by South. It, it's a hundred percent crypto <laughs> pump jobs here. It's just all crypto everywhere you look. And I can't believe it. It's like you were talking about slush, where everyone mm-hmm. was just pumping crypto product. Like South by Southwest is even worse because it's just blank slate. Apply crypto to anything. Mm-hmm. Apply crypto to retirement savings. <laughs> <laughs> Apply crypto to healthcare. Apply crypto to fucking optometry. Everything that you can think of, there's a crypto dimension to it. It's nuts. It's wild. And like all these grifters, I'm like, you're six months late, buddy. This is too late. You missed the boat. You're not going to get the optometrist office with the crypto angle thing launched now. It's, it's too late. <laughs> it's insane. Actually, the articles that we're going to cover today is we're going to talk about NFT games sales hit 5.2 billion in 2021 so um interesting interesting article on venture beat uh we're going to talk about fifa ultimate team cards aren't gambling dutch court says and perhaps we're going to talk about why cpms increase following app tracking transparency so into the personal updates the most interesting stuff <laughs> eric Kress, what is going on <laughs> in your personal life <laughs> Yes, I mean, I'm sure everyone's just <laughs> waiting, bated breath for me to tell me about update of my son. But <laughs> we went to this big tournament and they got beat the first fucking game out of the gate. Um, it was really disappointing because we were like second seed, but we played this really good team that beat us. But to, to show like how close the teams were, we actually beat the team that won the whole championship in the normal seed, normal uh, play. So um, they were really, really good teams, really fun. Um I was also reading. There's, a, I, I'm just going to go through a, a, a myriad of updates. I, I think that's all the personal stuff that anyone wants to. Handle <laughs> this um, but uh, first of all, the finalists were announced for the Pocket Gamer Awards, uh, and it was basically a who's who of advertisers for Pocket Gamer. Clearly, right? Mm-hmm. So Zynga was the big winner with uh, best advertising in UA and best publishers. UA, really, <laughs> really, they're getting a. A best reward for UA? I, I don't know about that, right? Um, I think uh, and then the our, best challenger our, for the our friend Nebo is going to have some words with you. <laughs> Nebo's haven't even been there to make a difference yet. He hasn't even been there that long. Like anyway, all right. Nah, has it been that? It's been a year, dude. All right, go ahead. Has it been two? I, it's like a year and a half or something. Okay, best challenger in the App Store is Amazon. Excuse me? I, I don't even understand why they're even in the discussion. Samsung Galaxy? I think I've seen some advertising on Pocket Gamer for a few of those, right? I don't even know why this category exists, frankly, because alternatives to the app stores seem relatively irrelevant, but maybe I don't know. Uh, Game of Year Award, of course. Farm Build 3 is up there right at the top. And why not? That game didn't really do much. Hitman Sniper, Stranger Things, Puzzle Tales? Really? You know, like... And then PUBG News State, which is probably the worst, right? Because that has like the, been the biggest disaster of 2021, right? And then, or 2022. And that's like, that's like up there for an award for best game of the year. Absolute train wreck. Like it's going to do, it is going to do 40 million. It was supposed to do a billion. Okay. Just, it's just to put it in perspective. So, you know, I, I think Pocket Gamers objectivity around these awards uh, is always suspect. We, sh- we should do um, our own. Like we should do on our own. Like, yes, <laughs> like that's this. A good idea. So best uh, attribution yeah. platform, AppSlyer, hands down. Uh, best uh, best partner for, <laughs> for game companies, <laughs> Google. Um, <laughs> best mediation platform, best Iron Source. payments, Exola. Easy. Yeah, alternative yes. payment, best, yes. Exola. Not even a competition. Yeah. <laughs> so. Jesus, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, all right, the next thing, um, Activision announces Warzone for mobile. Why? I, I thought this was common knowledge at this point, but there was all these press releases about this game ex- ex- existence. Um, it's being run by Digital Legends. And I think, you know, the warning sign here is with PUBG New State is like creating new games in the same fucking genre with the same IP is freaking risky at best, right? Not to mention going after fucking Tencent, dude. I don't. They're ruthless, dude. Why would you do that, right? So, I mean, I think it's just it's hard to bring audiences from one experience to the another, and then couple that with going against Tencent it doesn't even make sense, right? Um, and and so we'll see. You know, I'm I'm hoping for the best that you know that they can pull this thing out. But 
it's I think it's gonna be a real challenge uh, to get any scale in this game. Um, let's see what else. Oh, we have a new crypto czar. Someone mentioned this in the uh, in the, uh, in the Slack channel. Uh, Platika is hiring this guy, Dr. Jacob Mendel. In fact, that he's a doctor is impressive on its on its surface anyway. Um, to basically expand Platika's reach in three in Web 3.0 and GameFi. Right now. This guy actually is a, almost a true crypto czar, dude. The guy's been doing uh, blockchain as well as cybersecurity for the last 20 years, right? And he's not clearly not a game designer by any stretch, but he probably understands this. Definitely has a better background than uh, the former crypto czar. Um, <laughs> but I think this is kind of just is indicating, you know, clearly Playtik is in a really tough spot, <laughs> right? Like, uh, you know, they need to make some investments and find growth areas elsewhere to kind of bolster the story because I think Social Casino is going to continue to struggle. But this guy seems to be the right type of background to like make go of it. So let's see what he does. So we'll, I think we're going to stop tracking the former crypto czar. Now we're going to trap this guy. This guy is the one to, to watch to see what he pulls out and does. Um, finally, we're going to, I think uh, Mishka is going to cover a little bit of this. There's these funds that are being raised during the heyday of, of investment in gaming. Uh, after this big, huge correction of all things that are frothy as fuck, like Roblox and Tap Lovin, Iron Source, Platika to a lesser degree, um, and I'm missing one. Oh, Unity. Oh my God. These things are just getting annihilated, right? Uh, but anyway, these funds are being raised, I think, you know, you know, during the fervor and, and insane valuations. Um, from last year, but we're seeing Makers and Griffin run a $500 million fund and a $750 million fund. And Andreessen, supposedly, is another $600 million fund in, it, it, in, in the works. Yeah. What? No, it's not SPAC. It's not SPAC. I, wanted to, I wanted to talk about this. I have, I have some thoughts on this. Go ahead. Oh. Are we, are we covering this later? I'm, I, I'm, wait, no, hold on. I'm doing self-promotion here, finally. I, I, I'm <laughs> trying to follow uh, Mishka's lead here. But... Yeah. I am actually going to look for more opportunities to do more consulting around VC side because it's something I haven't really done as much in. And I'm interested in knowing either advising uh, game, uh, companies that are in the fund or advising looking at investments. But um, but uh, give everyone a pragmatic view on what the opportunities are, right? Uh, both, you know, across crypto, free-to-play and, and console. So if there's any... Uh, any any need there? You know, just let me know. Um, and, Are you pitching yeah, right now? I am pitching. I am pitching. Are you selling I, or asking? It's I, like... I, I, unabashedly, I already I already said that I was going to do it. Um, uh, all right. That's what fine. do you want to consult right, then? Right. Anything else? What do you want to consult then? Like, what's the uh, what what do what do studios? Yeah, what's like what what are these the, what uh, studios asking Crest for? I mean, I think basically market fit opportunities product. You know what the consumer wants, what where the target markets are, where the, the right genres, the type of games that they should be making, and what features that should be in the games that are competitive, like kind of like more tactical stuff like mm -hmm. that, as opposed to this broad swath of like you know here's this big market and here's that big market yeah. and here's the you know that too though maybe but but more product related stuff, market related stuff. Perfect, Suf. What um, do you have on on the uh, on the VC funds? I just think it's amazing, right? I, I did a, a Twitter thread about this um, the other day because Andreessen's hasn't been announced yet. It's just they, they surfaced it through the SEC filing, right? But right. It, let's, let's assume it's $600 million, right? Like that's the, that's the, the number that's floating around. So you've got Makers announced $500 million. So Griffin announced seven fifty, right, two weeks ago or whatever. When did we talk about it, Chris? Was it two weeks ago or last week? I think it was last week we talked about it. I think so. Anyway. Griffin 750 makers and these funds have been in place for a long time, right? But they, they all announced because you know you can't let Griffin and if you've got a fund that you just raised, you can't let Griffin announce and then not announce it, right? So they all kind of announced it back to back. Um, but see, Griffin announced 750 makers, then the next week announced 500, and then Andreessen 600. If that's the if that's the number, right? That's almost two billion dollars that's dedicated to gaming. That's amazing. That that means that right now, this moment in time, is the best. The best moment that's ever existed to, to make video games. Yeah. I mean, that's what that means, right? There's never been this amount of money available to, to game developers to, to build video games. Um, and I think it's just, it's worth just recognizing this, this very special moment in time.
And I mean, you look at all those funds, and then you've got play in the uh, play ventures. Um, you know, and and as as well, that stands out at the top tier and and Galaxy Interactive. I mean, you've just got so much capital available from just really smart, savvy people. Um, it's just an amazing time to be in video games. And I think you know the only issue is like, you know, when we talked about this, I think last week, it, it's like. Well, there's this, there's that much money chasing deals. It's just going to bid up the price, right? I mean, it's just going to bid up the valuations. But is that a bad thing? I mean, these companies are probably worth, you know, if you're going to be, if you're, if you stand to become a successful company, you're worth a lot right out of the gate, like just with the team, right? I mean, if you, if you've got the talent to build a successful game, then that's worth a lot. It's not worth, you know, $5 million, you know, pre-money valuation. It's worth 20 because, you know, you can build something that could become this, this massive property, right? And like... My thing and, and what I always hammer on, you know, when I, when I do games investing is, is, you know, that like the, 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 the concept, yeah, I want to, I want to have a, a sense of what that is, right? I want to know what, what's being made, but the most important thing I look for is like, does this team deeply understand monetization, especially on mobile, because that's the core skill set. And like one thing that I, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because UA teams get a lot of credit for the success of a game. But really, if you've got a game that monetizes well, UA is a joke, right? It's just creative. It's the creative process, right? Like the media buying is easy. It's, it's straightforward and a lot of it can be automated. But the, the difficult thing to get right and, and, and the sort of vector of success is just can this team make a game that monetizes users, right? And, and whether that's at like a kind of a core level of ARPPU or that's a casual level of ARPPU and the, D, and the DAU levels, uh, you know, vary across whatever that is. Like, but can you get that right? And can you make workable unit economics? And if you can, UA is just plug and play. It's like, yeah, set it and forget it, right? It's not hard. I mean, there's management stuff and it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an effort, but that's not the hard part of scaling a game. The, the hard part of scaling a game is building unit economics that scale. And so that's what you look for. That's what you look for in investing in these companies. Do they have someone on the team? Uh, preferably that's done it before, right? With mm -hmm. a big successful game and they own that, but can they build a monetization? Can they build a game economy? Right. And then like, that's the issue with crypto, too, because what you have to do then is you have to layer on this whole other dimension of an economy and get that right as well, because you've got the in-game economy and you get the secondary economy with the crypto assets. Like that's the difficult bit. Right. But like with a straight like a straightforward, like kind of, you know, boring old mobile game. Can you build a game economy that scales and supports, you know, UA scale? And if you can, then that's it. That could be a, uh, you know, that's a billion dollar company or like a 500 million dollar company or whatever it is. But like, that's what you have to look for. But, and so it's like, well, okay, if that's the calculus, you've got all this money chasing these deals, they're going to get bid up. But I don't think it's a bad thing. And the other thing I'm seeing now is that there is no sort of like center of gravity in San Francisco. It's worldwide and people can stay wherever they are and make a successful mobile game. They, they need the experience. They need to have built that experience somewhere else, but then they go home. You go home and you make it, you want to make a, a, a hit mobile game in Slovenia, you can do it. You want to make it in Slovakia, you can do it. You want to make it in Taiwan, you can do it. Anywhere that you feel comfortable living, you can make a hit mobile game from there. And that's like a really powerful thing. Like that's not true of every single category of consumer tech, right? But it is for mobile games. And so that's, that's what's so nice about this moment in time. You've got like kind of post-COVID realization that like, we don't need to be in San Francisco. We don't need to be in London. We don't need to be in Berlin, Helsinki. We can be wherever we want. Uh, if we've got the team in place, this could be a hit game. And the valuations are probably more normal or, or like more realistic than what they were before when they were underpriced. Right? It's just an awesome moment to be in games. The crest is looking at me. <laughs> I, 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 when, when stocks are down like 70%, you know, like from these artificial highs and these valuations were all set at the really high levels during the pre previous two years of investment. Um, it sounds like a sub bubble within the uh, market bubble, right? Like, so it's, it's, there's, sorry, I, I'm not going to articulate this well, but like the fact is that private companies are not, their valuations are not never checked the way public traded companies are. And so we're just sitting here at really high valuations that we've seen for the last two years. And with this kind of money chasing it, it's going to just get worse. Right. And, are any of these companies ever going to realize the expectations that were set over the last two years? Like every single company that was like absolutely nutty trading for the last two years have start, suddenly realized. You're talking about a decimation of value. Stillfront is down 70%. Um, AppLovin is down 70%. Uh, skills is basically gone to zero, 
right? I mean, that's back. Well, okay, yeah, but that's, that's uh, come on. No, I mean, yeah, dude, not, you yeah. had ARK investments and in spending insane amounts of money buying the stupid fucking stock for for years, right? And people have like falling. Well, that's, that's Kathy. That's that's Kathy Wood, man. Well, that's she, what I'm she, talking she's about. She's an Kathy example Wood. of the exuberance of this nonsense. Like, it, ultimately, right. fundamentals yeah, matter, right? And so, if these companies cannot realize, like Rec Room and like um, these type of companies that are, are not generating a lot of money or, or cash flow, right? If they can't reckon, if they can't get to these levels of profitability and and prove out their their the, the thesis around what they're doing, then it's going to be a challenge for everybody. On the valuation side, no, no, hundred percent. There's gonna there's gonna be a reckoning in these these growth stock or these these growth uh, stage like crypto based companies that raised at like insane yeah. valuations. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be a, mm-hmm. a total reckoning there. But but that's not. I don't I don't even put to me. Rec room's not a gaming company, right? Rec, rec room was like a crypto bet, like that. That's and that was just uh, it, I don't know. It, rec room. It's not, that's not it's. Rec, is Rec Room's no, not a gaming company? No, is that a gaming company? I mean, that's not, they're not making... It's like a second life No, they're a social... Yeah, it, but... I, that was, sorry, not, not crypto. That was a metaverse. That was a metaverse. metaverse sorry, that was right, a metaverse, you know. But, but yeah, that hype stuff, yeah, put that aside, right? I mean, but the thing is, like, the public stocks are downstream from the early stage stuff, right? Uh, yeah, the pub, there's, but there's a public stock across... Uh, a pub, there's a, 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 a compression of valuations in, in public stocks across the board, not just with gaming. Right? No, yeah, no, the no. gaming stocks are in the toilet, but no, no, so is uh, no, uh, you're not missing what I'm saying. You're missing what I'm saying. Actually, the traditional game companies had a shitty year last year. This year, they're actually holding up because they actually have real businesses. The ones that are getting punished the most are the ones that are the more speculative assets, like Roblox. I'll just use that as an example because there's a, there's right, a lot yeah. of them. Like a lot of the SaaS and software as a service type companies are just just gotten crushed. But Roblox, which the anticipation was it was going to grow thirty percent a year for perpetuity, right? Because it's fucking you know the yeah. best thing. But that's complete bullshit. I've been saying that all year last year that like they can't grow geo or demo and that's their challenge. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is the expectation of something like Rec Room is the same thing, but they're held in a private setting so that there's no right. drawdown of value the way you do on the public markets. Mm. Right. Um, now, I'm not saying that Roblox well, is have... doomed by any stretch. I'm just saying that their valuation is coming back to real life and what. And, and expectations are getting reset. So when you have $2 billion chasing these type of opportunities, that creates even more potential for, you know, raising the valuations of things that the, the value is never going to be realized. Mm-hmm. So that's the scare. So at the end of the day, what, what I, I hate to be the old man in the room, but fundamentals matter, right? At the end of the day, it always comes down to fundamentals. And, and, and if you can't, build a, a company that can is scalable and profitably scalable that is not going to be you know you're, you're going to lose value right? uh, no, i 100% hear you first of all you deserve a lot of credit because you've been calling roblox for like a year and you were that was contrarian when you had that eric that when you were when you were talking about roblox being overhyped that was very contrarian i mean they were like ascendant Dude, right but now they're in the toilet yeah i mean i got on these calls uh, with these these guys that were pull, totally part of the Roblox community and talking about it, well, same thing with VR, frankly. And I'm like, this is all ridiculous, right? This is yeah. <laughs> they just can't do what you're saying that they can do, you know. Not, and again, it's a great company. I have some really good friends there. I just it's just not something that it was worth seventy billion, right? <laughs> is it worth twenty five right. billion? I don't know, right? Because certainly not on the not on the the fundamentals do not support. If they can't grow at thirty percent, twenty to thirty percent a year, then it's not worth fucking twenty-five billion right now, right? So anyway, whatever. you're right. right. I, so, I anyway, so, so I'm, I'm with I'm with you there. Kudos where kudos are due, right? Um, but I, my point is is not about like this money should be deployed against marketing buzzwords, metaverse, you know, whatever uh, interoperability. That's yeah, fine. Maybe make a bet there, but like that is not necessarily going to you know be successful or, or be you know valuable or important. But my point is like, and, and this is my investing thesis when I look at games, if you can build something that monetizes, you can be instantly profitable, right? If you, you can have a hit game, you, you launch that from day one and it's profitable. That, that's what I love about gaming though, because you, you, you can build that with like a three person team and scale it, right? And you scale it with systematic UA. If you've got the monetization in place, you can build a, a, a property, an asset 
that just throws off cash from day zero, right? You don't have to do the whole thing of like, well, we'll we'll, we'll fake it till we make it and get really big, and at some point we'll make a lot of money. Like there's smoke no, no, and mirrors I, with gaming from from day zero, you can do. That. I hundred percent agree with you, and that's actually part of the reason I want to get more involved is because I think I can help identify those opportunities and not chase rainbows, right? Um, right. You know, and that that that's that's kind of why I'm getting more intrigued, particularly with all this money chasing stuff, but. I don't think these, that's the type of investment these guys are making, yeah. right? Like, I mean, if you, so, you know, but we'll So see. going back, like, I just want to say three things about, uh, about VCs and, uh, and, and this. So for those who are raising, I think it's really important to, to think about three things. Number one is understand what the investors are buying and having a story that supports that. So naturally, everybody's investing into metaverse and crypto and so forth. So that's the story you have to be selling or something else, but you have to, you have to, understand what they're buying. Number two, when you're raising, please remember that it's a two-way street. When you're working with an investor, it's a business partner. So you have to not only think about what you're bringing to the table, but also understand what the investor is bringing to a table. And for that sake, when you see these funds raising, you know, more funds, like, like 750, 500, and, and becoming these billion-dollar funds, they have more resources to help you. So it's actually also a positive thing. And number three, which is really important, that is getting a reference on the investor. So, um, you know, everybody knows that investors will be doing due diligence on you. They will be asking reference about you. But you should be also asking uh, reference on the investor. And taking back to the original story of Makers Fund raising $500 million, if you happen to be in a position where you have a term sheet from Makers Fund, I think you'll love the process of asking for references because you will be hearing only praises from around the world. I think it's a fantastic fund. And uh, just uh, big kudos from me. So, yeah, that's <laughs> all right. Well, I I just make 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 a point there. It's it's you know the thing is like when someone comes in and you know you're doing mm -hmm. a seed right, and it's price and they're like, look, I've got a fund. It's this big. I need to invest this much. Like if I can't invest this much, it's not worth me doing. And so this is how much I'm going to invest in you. And here's your valuation. Right. Yeah. That's what happens. Like it's it, it that's that's the, the that's the game. Just understand that there's no there's no like gradient right of outcomes right like you are either a big hit or you go to zero right because that's the distribution game that they're playing the distribution game when you've got a really big fund is I invest in everything and I know that half are going to go to zero and I know that thirty percent are going to return my money plus some and then I know that you know twenty percent are going to do whatever and and you, every time you hear VCs do interviews mm -hmm. they talk about this like it's you know some sort of like you know galaxy brain realization it's not it's just it's that it's like when you go to you go to vegas if you could play every table right you know you're gonna lose money like it, it, but if you you know if you hit it big on roulette one time you can make money but that's the distributions it, it, like are that's the game but the thing is so if you take that money and you, you they've invested a lot of money in the pre-seed and they set the valuation and it's it's you know and it's a big fund you've just got to understand that there's no like, hey, you know, we got this offer for 2x your money. Uh, we're all kind of tired. We, we think we're better off joining this company. Um, it, you know, we'll be well resourced. It'll be a good home for like, they're gonna say no, you, you either make us 20x our money or you go to zero. But like, you don't stop. You either you're either a massive success or you die. And those are the only that's a binary. There's a there, there's two choices, right? You can't uh, do an aqua hire. You can't there's no off ramp. You either are a rocket ship or you explode yeah. on the launch dock. But like, we're not going to let you have some like middle ground outcome, and that's it is what it is. But you just got to understand what you're getting into, right? And that like the nice thing about you know when you when you are starting a company and you just do a safe and you have individuals coming in um, with a seed, none of them are going to have a board seat, right? You don't have a boss. But once you take a big check from a big fund, you essentially have a boss, right? And if the whole reason for doing this was to be your own boss. Well, that's not the case anymore. You've got a boss. So I think it's just, it's important to understand that because I see a lot of times, you know, founders get back to a corner. They're like, wait, wait a second. Like, this isn't working out. I want to go do something else. Like, no, you're married to this project and you either become a unicorn or you die. But there's no middle ground. You're not going to do an aqua hire. They're not going to approve it. And if you try to do that, you're going to get booted out of CEO. And that, just understand that that's the game. That's what you're, that's what you're yeah. signing up for. Right? Yeah. Very, very important point. All right. All right. Moving on. GDC again is happening next week. I think this is the first time I'm going to be out in public, so I'm a little bit afraid um, of what I will say and what I will do <laughs> and how much trouble I can get into. Um, I am actually really excited, finally, to get, uh, hang out with folks in real life. 
I'm going to the App Andy party on Monday, and I think I'm doing a panel with Mr. Joseph Kim. Nice. I'm gonna. It's hang- uh, data.ai. What is it? Data.ai. They they rebrand. They rebranded. They're fucking App Andy. <laughs> fuck these rebranding, renaming bullshit, dude. I'm not hey, calling. Right, I'm not calling so Facebook I'll- Meta ever. Just saying. All right. So so data.ai. I apologize on behalf yeah. of Crest. Thank you for sponsoring my South by Party. <laughs> I appreciate you. You're a valued partner. All right. Uh, I will never call you App Andy. That name is dead to me. You're dead to me. That's dead naming. Exola uh, is <laughs> also on Monday. And then I'm going to Seaford's party, right, on Tuesday, of which I had to beg How'd for an invitation, in? by the way. What is that How'd about? How'd you get an invite, man? That's, I'm going to have to revoke that. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. We're full. And then I'm D&Ding it out, dorky, D&Ding it out with Andrew Green on Thursday. But I think I might not be able to make that because I have to navigate kids. But anyway, I will be around at all the hotels talking trash, saying hi. So anybody sees me, say what's up. Uh, finally, I have... I'm, um, what? I'm, I'm excited to attend the last ever GDC in oh, San Francisco. Yes. It's, it's cool, man. It's, it's nice. We'll, we'll have a nice send-off <laughs> for GDC. It's moving next year. It's coming to Austin. It's going to be in Miami. It's going to London, Amsterdam. It's going to a better city. This is the last year GDC is going to be in San Francisco. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to celebrate that that pairing one last yeah. time, but next year GDC yeah, will be elsewhere. Wishful thinking, dude. <laughs> I know. Um, anyway, I was going to make some Texas slur, slur but I'm not going to do it because it's too easy. Okay. It's too dangerous. Everybody's Elden strapped Ring. in Texas. You shouldn't do it. Have- we got we got guns, man. I have, I have a really I have, I have really sad news. I wish Telford was here because, of course, he was right, right all along. This game has sold 12 million fucking units, which is a bona fide hit, dude. It is absolutely massive blockbuster game, and I have to say, I lasted 30 minutes, <laughs> 30 fucking minutes, dude. I got stuck at the first goddamn dungeon trying to dodge fire. And I fucking rage quit, dude. It was humiliating because it's not, it's not, it's not the game's fault, dude. It's totally my my bad, right? I'm old. I don't know what it is, but I just can't understand the appeal of getting your ass handed to you constantly <laughs> and redoing it, right? It's just, it's just not in my DNA to get into these games. And so I spent sixty dollars for thirty minutes of entertainment, and then on top of it, to make it worse, I watched my nephew, who's like 13, play the game. And he's a fucking rock star, right? Like, he just loves it, dude. He's like dodging and weaving and throwing fireballs and doing all this shit, right? And he dies. He doesn't care. He just gets up and does it all over again. And I'm like, how is that fun? How is that fun? So I immediately booted up Destiny 2 and World of Warcraft, my little fucking Care Bear games, and just loved it, dude. But Adam, you're right. I'm a big fucking wuss, and and I, I just am never ever going to be appealing appeal. I'm never these games are never going to appeal to me, um, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to you to come back next week and give me a hard time. <laughs> All right, that's it. That was a lot of updates. Yeah, I, I I couldn't I couldn't get into it. I played for like what an hour or two. I was like, what is this? This game's boring. <laughs> You're just running around like what's it? I don't know. But I will say I'm happy to report. So I moved into my office, got Google Fiber. Ultra fast. I'm, I'm a killer in Call of Duty. <laughs> I am crushing newbies. I am so good. It was always it was no. It was always my lag. I was that's why I sucked. <laughs> it was always the lag. No, I'm 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 finishing mm-hmm. first and second all the time. You, dude, you can't blame it on I'm, the control. I'm a killer. You can't blame it on lag or the controller, dude. Come on, man. Those, that's it like was. I, no, I moved to I moved to the office. I got Google Fiber, and I'm the man. I'm I'm crushing noobs. <laughs> And I'm I'm on the headset. I'm cussing them out. I'm yelling at them, like they. I'm humiliating them. I'm not just killing them. I'm like How old making fun they? of them. Dude, you're like my brother, so, dude. I don't know, man. Who cares? They're dead to you. They're, they're roadkill when I'm in the game. Yeah, well, I'm I'm in the I'm in the game. They're they're toast, man. Get out of here. Why? Just boot, your, boot. Turn the PlayStation off, buddy. Do something oh my else. God. Go study yeah. for your daddy's your here. Go study. So. I'm crushing news. Uh, quick update on, on my yes. part. Uh, All right, move, let's move one, on. One because... quick update. So, uh, Lightforge Game has raised fifty million for um, for a um, um, action RPG. I believe it's an action RPG game uh, that was a round led by Bitcraft Ventures with Galaxy Interactive, NetEase, and Dune Ventures. Uh, so yeah, it's an RPG with creative elements sim- similar to Minecraft or Roblox by Blizzard and Epic Veterans. 
the only uh, interesting part about this, this is what I wanted to raise, it's an all remote studio. And I, there has been a lot of discussion. I don't know how much public discussion there's been in it. I'd be actually very interested to do a, a podcast about this. But I don't think all remote studio is the optimal approach because I do understand that remote work is very productive. Nobody's disagreeing with that. Uh, and I do understand how employee friendly it is because you can essentially hire from everywhere. And through that, it is cost effective because you don't have to build your own studio uh, and people can possibly be in a low cost locations. Uh, but I always kind of wonder how are you building the culture for your for your company in a fully remote studio? And what is the loyalty? Because essentially people don't have any real connection with each other. So they're not that they're you know coming to work and they like who they're working with. It's in the sense you could be working for anybody, you know, whoever is paying the best and who is not pain in the ass and the project is interesting and, and um, you know, you're still at home. So I th- personally, I think that the hybrid setting um, is going to be the one that wins in the end. I think it's great that we have now more opportunities to work remotely. It's a good boost to productivity. It's a good cost saving. But I think in the long run, these studios with a hybrid approach or on-site fully are going to be the ones that succeed the best. And through that, the investor money is going to be just going towards those. And we will see uh, mostly the end of fully remote studios in the long run. Uh, But I'm also a a man of strong beliefs, and I'm happy to reverse my beliefs if proven otherwise. But that's just my my point at the moment. So I don't know if you guys have any point on that. (laughs) Dude, I think... I think you're raising a very complex issue that can't be just covered in like three minutes or two this minutes is, or whatever you just did. This is a flare uh, for I, anybody to I come in are... to talk about this. <laughs> I, I'd be, I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I'm hearing that these, these engineers are getting offers for like 500 grand for, for offsite, like, you know, like remote things and, and people are just bidding them up to yeah. like insane levels. There's, there's zero this loyalty. Issue it's going to be zero loyalty for, uh, for, uh, for fully remote people. Well, well, this is also the other issue of deploying so much capital in the space in which the resources yeah. are relatively limited. You know, you don't, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's a hundred percent zero sum gain, but it's also like engineering talent in particular is so hard to get yes. that, um, that, and so that's why you need to pick the right why, projects as well. Right. But, um, but why, why shouldn't like a lead engineer make that much money? I mean, like, I don't, I, I'm not like, I, I think it's okay to pay people a lot of money. Right, like, why should the why should all the value aggregate at the founders? Right, like, I think it's cool to like to you know pay people well, and, you yeah, know what I mean? That, like, it's, but and, uh, and, uh, again, that increases the risk profile. Yeah, Your all or nothing strategy may work for one in one thousand, right? But if you can't make a game profitably because it costs three hundred million dollars to make a game that can only make two hundred million, right? Then that doesn't work. The model breaks, right? Well, I mean, but those are like just you know. Arbitrary numbers. I I think if you're how many games about, in mobile make a hundred million dollars or more in a given year? Few, none. Oh sure, not not very many. Forget, right? forget. I'm sorry, new yeah, games, handful. not old games, obviously. So, there that number is real. It happens, right? How long? How much does it cost to build and and, and market a, a a mobile free to play game yeah. these days? But it doesn't cost that much. It doesn't cost that much. You can, oh, you're you can out of your mind <laughs> with three people. No, no, man, you're out of your mind. Uh, you're out of your mind. No, any game that's done a hundred million. Nevertheless, you tell me one game a hundred million. I just want anyway, to say right, that this, there's this the, it's a, a retention issue. Though. It's a retention issue, just like Eric pointed, um, super pointed in the sense that that you know it's it's about or no, Eric Cress, you said it about the 500k. So when you don't have any kind of emotional connection with the community and then the company you're working with, then it's going to be whoever offers the most. So. Right, you sound like Joseph, dude. What? Joseph Kim. But anyway, All right. <laughs> All right. I mean, this La La Land about like relationships and like you know, culture, whatever, all this stuff. Like, yeah, you're, yeah, they're higher guns. I, I don't know. I, I I always liked working in an office. Like, I I didn't. I I think it's it's. I don't know. Like me, I mean, it's personal choice, right? But like, I liked getting to know yeah. coworkers. It just felt like you know, and, and maybe that wasn't more productive per se, but it was just nice to form exactly. relationships with human beings. And and like the thing, I think what what people miss about that is like. You know, your career is like heavily dictated by who you worked with, right? In the past, and like in the relationships that you made at whatever. Like I going back to Digital Chocolate, right? I mean, Misa yeah. and I worked there together, however long ago, yeah, more, more than years. a decade ago, right? Um, and I still keep it. I keep in touch with a lot of people from there. And then you know, going on to like Wuga, and you know, Adam and mm-hmm. I worked together at Wuga, right? Like we still stay in touch, and I stay in touch with a lot of people. But it's like those those relationships that you form 
dictate a lot of your career trajectory. And so it's important to, to, to build them, right? And if it's all Zoom, it's just yeah. harder to do that. I 100% agree. I mean, every single job that I've gotten since EA has been from people at EA. <laughs> You know, like I, I bag on that place a lot. Like it's a, it's a cultural abyss yeah. and it's a fucking nightmare to work at. But the reality is the really smart people that have been working in this business a long time. Okay. They so all EA is not going to do job ads. Every job. <laughs> so with us. That's, that's pretty much. Right. <laughs> okay. What? I mean, everyone Sorry, knows it's good. a nightmare to work there. That's not a... That's and, not okay, <laughs> doubling down. <laughs> Thanks, EA. Uh, all right. Um, um, so... <laughs> Speaking of EA, um, all right, the Dutch court. So I don't even know if this is a big story, but it seems like a big story to me, right? Because this has been an. Well, first of all, I, co- I covered this. Yeah, two yeah, you ago. did. You? you actually did. Yeah, it was breaking yeah. news. I, I, I had to, I had to translate it from Dutch. Mm-hmm. It was so new that the press release had happened that morning. I had to Google translate it from Dutch. But anyway, go, go ahead. It's all right. Uh, well, maybe down. I'm just following up because I, it kind of sunk in. Uh, you know, well, when old Europe starts actually getting, getting, sorry, sorry, let me stop for a bit. Okay. All right. Well, then why am I covering it? If we've already covered it, but the, okay. If basically the Dutch court, which is the one that said FIFA loot boxes were illegal, basically the biggest court of the land basically reversed that decision. That is kind of a big deal because they were the ones that were holding back, um, on 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 the currency that was allowed to be buying loot boxes right and so basically in in this country you were not allowed to buy fucking loot uh uh fifa ultimate team loot boxes right and so they basically determined that it was not gambling in this context because you're using it for other purposes besides uh you sorry you're buying Oh my God! Why am I? I'm just totally struggling on this. Right? <laughs> it's okay. Just take take it five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah no worries. <laughs> okay. So they were basically saying that this is part of the game of uh, of skill and not an element of chance, and therefore it's not illegal. Which is basically the argument that that EA has been saying for years, right? Is that it has nothing to do with anything. Now. I don't know if I agree with that 100% on my side of it, but that doesn't matter. The fact is that old Europe, this country that is basically could have been the bellwether for other parts of Europe to ban these 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 loot boxes is basically saying they're not gambling, so you're good, right? And so I think I, this is a huge deal in a lot of ways because, again, Belgians are like, what, the head of the EU, like the center of the... You, even though it's a tiny fucking country, but it capital could capital of EU that, like, is in you know, is in Belgium, right? And so that could have infected the rest of it. So that I think is really good. Um, and and what I really want to understand is how the European law works from this perspective. Is this a? I don't think it's a precedent based system. So like this doesn't matter necessarily for other legislation per se because it, it's just basically case by case in, in Europe. I'm not really sure, but I would love to get any feedback as to. Whether we can put this thing to rest or does this not, I wouldn't say never put it to rest. If we can say that based upon this decision, it is less and le- le- far more less likely that we will see further legislation in Europe regarding loot boxes. Because this is a huge problem for EA and other other companies that do business in EA with in, in Europe with loot boxes. Sorry, that was a very poorly executed. <laughs> no, it's a, hey. I hope that you know, came across. Even Cress is not perfect. <laughs> Okay, folks, let's take a little break from the conversation, talk about your post-IDFA cross-platform strategy. More specifically, how you're going to monetize that sweet console and PC audience of yours. Well, here's where Player One comes to the picture, providing a huge revenue opportunity for developers and publishers. In fact, it's the only engagement and monetization platform designed to reward free-to-play console and PC gamers. Now I know what you're thinking. Players don't want to watch ads on console and PC. Well, that's actually not true. According to extensive surveys with players who are playing the most popular AAA free-to-play games, Player One found an overwhelming desire, 77% to be accurate, by gamers to have an option to earn free in-game content in exchange for watching 15 to 30 second advertisements. Now, the second thing you're thinking about is that you don't want to show other games to your console and PC players. Well, Player One got you covered once again. 
Firstly, the platform lets gamers decide if they want to watch TV quality brand sponsored videos inside their favorite titles in exchange for cool in-game items and awesome content. Secondly, as I said, Player One's inventory is purely of TV quality brand sponsored videos, so you won't have to worry about churn or build segmentation profiles. Plus, given the fact that the majority of free-to-play players on PC and console never actually spend any money in the live service area of those games, Player One is providing a way for developers and publishers alike to help their loyal players to get access to all the additional content that's being created while maintaining their games economies. Player One is fully optional for players and completely respectful of game flow. And for developers, Player One has been proven to drive retention, lifetime value, and additional revenue, all while maintaining monthly active users and reducing churn. Everybody wins with Player One. Gamers unlock immediate rewards, developers enhance the playing experience and generate passive revenue, and brands connect meaningfully with the most passionate audience in media. Visit playerwon.com to see how it works in practice or Get, go to the link in this podcast description below. Now, back to the episode. Um, let, I wanted to bring in one news that is, uh, just since Ethan is not here, I can, I can cover NFT in a, in a full calmness. So there was a... Uh, let's, take a let's take a week off. Let's take a week off. Oh. Let's take a week off. No really? No I, I found this... Let's, take, let's, have a clean, let's have a clean <laughs> episode. This was, uh, right, this was interesting. So uh, there was an article on, on VentureBeat uh, that said NFT game sales hit 5.2 billion in 2021. So NFTs are digital blockchain linked assets that unlike cryptocurrencies are completely unique and not interchangeable with any other asset. Examples range from program, programmable programmable art to ownership records to physical assets and plots to virtual land in metaverse like platforms now the large nft sales for all markets hit 17.6 billion dollars in 2021 up to 200 times from 82 million in 2020 now there's of course no indication how big is the share of money laundering of the total sales and you're asking like how do you launder money in 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 nfts it's pretty simple transactions are recorded and on on a public ledgers but the purchases can remain anonymous so that's a huge boon for anyone looking to discreetly wash assets anyways there are more than 2.5 million digital wallets holding or trading nfts up from just 89,000 wallets the year before so of course based on all these numbers there are more people engaging that's definitely a fact um, and if every of one of those wallets would have participated in an NFT purchase last year, that would have meant that average purchases of NFTs during the 2021 would have been over $7,000. Now, are people engaging because they believe in the transparency and security of digital ledger of blockchain to authenticate unique digital items? Or are people simply being lured in by get rich quick scams, pump and dump schemes? Probably both. So, in regards of the trends, the report said that during 2021, NFT projects evolved from simple tradable collectible into more sophisticated virtual assets targeted towards the metaverse. Dan Kelly, who is the CEO of nonfungible.com, which originated this report, was asked about the shady nature of the NFT sales. And what he said in his statement was that, on the contrary, we believe that today every community that was created in 2021, every community, has a digital identity. It is essential that there are strong values carried by strong communities as we start to build a whole new Web3 industry. Now, in 2022, the report... The fuck is I know, I don't know, I know. It just... <laughs> in 2022, the report... This was probably an interview at South by Southwest. In 2022, the report expects the NFT market to continue to be volatile. It states that there are real need and an opportunity to build infrastructure and utility services for this emerging market and asset class, such as financial and risk management products and concludes that the NFT market has barely pushed the boundaries of its underlying technology. Overall, I think, sadly, this is, again, one of those puff pieces that VentureBeat is is, um, is doing quite uh, often these days. Uh, personally, I see the current iteration of blockchain gaming going mostly to zero in the next year or two, uh, assuming the current trend of macroeconomics with you know the war, the looming energy and food crisis, the massive slowdown of the Chinese economy, um, and kind of like the nonsensical nature of most of these products. I think it's just around the corner. Um, 
Now, you know, why has metaverse, blockchain, NFTs, Web3, why have they been so hot? You know, in, in, in the rise of 21, uh, the, the cause is directly because of the overheating of the market. During the same time, the price of rare wines, collectible cards, Rolex watches, and really anything unique has skyrocketed. And NFTs are sold at, as unique assets, and thus they would have the same characteristics and as, as these physical rare assets in terms of value creation. So all the money was flooding towards those. Now, why did the funding explode for blockchain gaming companies? Well, one is the uh, the rise of cryptocurrency valuations due to again overheating of the market. Uh, these companies also started investing. These companies who, ha who have blockchain like Solana or the trading FTX, all of them started to investing into blockchains um, with excess funds and quite honestly limited understanding of games business. Of course, they're leveling up there. Now, VCs also raised crypto funds uh, as the market overheated and there was a tremendous demand for this. And of course, VC, it makes sense for a VC to raise a fund and the bigger the fund, the better because they get a carry from, from the funds that they raise. Now, the VCs started competing with these new crypto funds to get the deals done for blockchain gaming companies. And that essentially skyrocketed the valuation because you had to move extremely fast because getting money for any kind of a blockchain project at least a while back was extremely simple and it's still not that difficult. Now, personally, just personally, I don't really like the current iteration of, of blockchain gaming uh, because the focus is purely on easy money and quick wins. Uh, nearly every you know play to earn I've seen is a pretty much a Ponzi scheme uh, and while the notion of earning money while playing a game is in theory uh, a, a good idea, the reality seems to be far from it because once you add earning to anything like sports, people start cheating. They cheat to win. And I think Axie Infinity, everybody knows that game. And that is a kind of like the saddest example. It's a, it's a game that nobody plays for fun. It's a game where wealthy Westerners rent their NFTs for the poorest people in the world to grind more wealth for them. And just to be clear, I'm a, I'm a capitalist, like, like everybody who listens to this, but this is like a, like a digital colonialism that is, that is happening. So um, anyways, to conclude, I don't see that this, uh, this uh, Web3 at the moment is the sort of a free-to-play early days, which is something that literally every, every person has to say in all the interviews when they get funded or they're raising a fund for crypto. It's like, oh, we're in early days of free-to-play. I see this as the early days of dot-com, like a dot-com bubble where 99% of the companies went to zero because, you know, they were kind of nonsensical. Uh, and then later on, we kind of laughed, like, how, how was this valued so high? I don't know, pets.com and, and whatnot. But in the long run, to be clear, I think blockchain technology will prevail. And it's really not even about whether people will have the demand for blockchain games or blockchain technology. I think the corporation just have such a strong will to make it happen that it will happen. But overall, on the long term, very bullish. On the short term, you know, not so bullish at all. Oh, God. Yeah, where do I start? <laughs> I mean, it's... I think the, the thing is, like, you can... I mean, you, I don't know. Like, if you go back to mm -hmm. 99... Right, um, you know, you t people talk about Pets.com. Well, Amazon yeah, was started exactly. in '99, right? I mean, like there were, you know, good companies can get started. Uh, no, sorry, '94, right? Okay, so but even earlier than that, right? So I mean, good companies can get started at any time in any sort of market condition. I, I, I think like there are. I've been like really, really careful about any sort of Web three projects. Um, you know, I'm not one of these like ideological uh crypto uh, skeptics right like i mean there's people like that that sound as ridiculous as the people that just go and cheerlead right like crypto's a ponzi crypto's a scam like well that's not true broadly right i mean it can be in a lot of cases it is but it's not true broadly about the category right and that sounds as dumb as saying crypto is the future <laughs> of finance crypto you know bitcoin's going to a million dollars a coin like that stuff is just idiotic and hollow um but like to me it's and i talked about it earlier in the, in the in the podcast, like I'm looking for teams that really understand that complexity of having essentially two economies, right? And like, if you can navigate that and then build an actual fun experience where the crypto assets actually add value, like then that's great. Maybe that'll become a massive, you know, a, a, a successful game. And you don't, and the good thing about crypto is you don't, you have high RPPU, right? Mm -hmm. Incredibly high RPPU, yep. so high ARPU, 
right? And so maybe you can have a game. Like you saw, I mean, Mobile Strike had like 100,000 DAU, like at peak, right? But it, it, I mean, obviously that turned out to not be like a robust, durable game that could be sustained for a long time, but it made a lot of money. Um, and I think with crypto, you can even have a smaller base, but higher ARPU and make more money. Like you could have a successful crypto game that has 20,000 DAU, right? I think that just makes on an absolute scale, a lot of money. So like, I don't know, I, I, I but I just, I, I, I'm getting bored of all these like high minded, big concept pieces. We get it. We know what crypto is, right? Show me a great game. Show me something that's fun to play. That's not a, that's not a, I, a, but a I, you know, I, I think what you're describing is mutually exclusive. Right? Why build a fun to play game for an audience that doesn't want to play a fun yeah, game? The one just like they want to play a game in which they can make money. Yeah, and so like you're basically you're that that's a Rubik's cube that can't be solved, right? Because it's irrelevant. No, Gameplay is irrelevant. No, but in that in that scenario. No, I don't think so. I think I, okay. I, I think it gives you like a deeper appreciation of the gameplay. Like think, no, but think here. Would... No, the example I always point to, um, you know, because I I advise a Jagex deal right when they got acquired by Carlyle. And there was a guy on the deal team at Carlisle who gave us this. He like intro to. Um, I'm blanking on the name of the game. Uh, help me out. Uh, the uh, Jagex game. Oh, oh, uh, you know, Jagex, you know what I'm talking about. RuneScape. RuneScape, yeah, yeah. RuneScape. He gave us like an intro, intro to RuneScape, and this guy had been playing this game for 15 years. Right. Right. He was my age. He'd been playing it since he was in college, and and he just loved that game. Now imagine if you could actually own those assets, right, and keep them with you, and then the, and then you know because. Jagex released like a new RuneScape. It was like mm -hmm. updated with modern graphics. If you could port over all those items. Now, there's nothing stopping you from doing that with just a normal game, right? You don't need to be on the blockchain. But I think that adds like another dimension of value and, and appreciation and, and sort of emotional investment. That you actually own these assets that you've built and crafted and mined and whatever in the game over the course of years and years and years. So I think there are specific types of games like that. Where you're so connected to the to the to the to the the, the, the relationship that you built and the, and the time that you've invested in, in forging. Think about World of Warcraft. I mean, you can imagine that, right? Like, I, I think there's an NFT layer that you could present there that provides a lot of value to the gameplay experience, right? But then you 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 the the, the pool of people that the TAM is smaller because a you start with wallet holders, right? So that's already a very small number. And then within that, you've got to find the specific genres and, and the, the relevancies there. But like, I, I see that as being valuable. Like it, for a game like that, where you really invest time and you invest your emotional self, like having the ability to really, truly, genuinely own that asset, that feels like it adds something. It's not just pay to earn. Yeah, play yeah to earn. And, and I agree. Like, yeah, just I, want to be clear. Like, I, I understand I'm, on that notion, I said 99%. I was saying 98, but I talked to a, a very <laughs> senior investor and... and um, he was actually saying 99, and he, and then his company was also doing a, a blockchain. So I was like, all right, <laughs> let, let me let me bump it up by one percent. So kind of everybody understands that, but everybody actually yeah. uses uh, who I discussed use that analogy of, of of Amazon. Like there's still gonna be that one that's gonna prevail. This uh, this bloodbath that is gonna right. come. Um, I, I I'm, I'm gonna not continue to talk about this. I, <laughs> I, I hate railing against the same thing every time. Kotaku, GameSpeed, VentureBeat, whatever. Like, these type of articles are really kind of scary to me, right? Like, there's like no objective journalism going on mm -hmm. at all, right? There's no like point counterpoint. This is just a total fluff piece about, you know, a real like clickbait type title and, 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 and that's it. And this is, this is our man, right? This is the guy, right? This is Dean, right? Dean Takahashi wrote this yeah. thing, right? Well, you know. It's like, you really have no, you can't even actually do like one paragraph of like, wait a minute, you know, this is, I mean, he did say that this was, this was primarily one game, which Axie Infinity, but can he say that the revenue generated from Axie Infinity is like a quarter or a tenth of what it was during its peak or like some kind of criticism of, 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 the, of the PR that's in this thing? It's, I'm a little bit, yeah, it, it causes me very, lots of angst. <laughs> these articles that are just completely biased in one direction well that's why you need shows but, like uh, this anyway to, i don't know to uh it's actually better because we we get to do our show we get to talk about it uh and and be not biased when when uh when reading these uh these puff pieces but um on that note i think the show is done eric Cress, how can people get in touch with you next week at gdc what's the best way I don't know. Throw a note on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's a So slide into <laughs> like Eric Cress's DMs. Uh, Eric Suford's day is a night. They're all full. Just go at his party if you want to meet up with him. 
I'll not be there because I'll be in Istanbul. So everybody who's coming to Istanbul, actually Eric Kress and Eric Superd are coming to Istanbul. We got triple the amount of, of, uh, of people registered to it than, um, than the, uh, the, event, the event space holds. So thank you very much for everybody for oh, really? yeah yeah and we didn't even promote it we did one i did one linkedin post uh, and you guys kind of said like you know you you reshared it so that was it <laughs> so um on to bigger bigger and better but i'm a, uh, yeah <laughs> I, you have no idea how excited i am to uh fucking get out in the out and about and traveling I, get out of here for i'm me. incredibly excited about istanbul i've never been there it's really really interesting place and um yeah, I'm just uh, I'm hoping I have some free time to, to roam around the city. Uh, we got we got local uh, locals helping us to to find the coolest spots and enjoy the uh, the salt bays and the hammams, and the belly dances and you name it. But it's gonna be really fun. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody who's who's registered, who's coming in. Also, those please do register because even if you're not coming on site you will get to see the live stream and the live stream also includes the uh, the live twig podcast so it will be fun 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 event on that note thank you everybody for listening to 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 the uh the three dads and on to the next week and go and see eric kress and eric suford in flesh bye bye everybody bye